This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. What are people complaining about? And every time you hear someone complain about something, you know, stop and have the conversation with your child like, what might a solution to that look like? And then turn the conversation to well, what are your child's skills, their strengths, their interests? And like you said, you know, what is some way to monetize that? This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill. And today we're talking about helping our kids develop an entrepreneurial mindset. As a new member of the entrepreneurial world, I know the freedom and the responsibility that comes with owning your own business and providing a valuable service for your customers. And I would love for my kids to experience entrepreneurship, both the freedom and the responsibility that comes with it, and decide if it's right for them. Today, I'm going to speak with a teacher who spends his days educating high school kids in personal finance and entrepreneurship, and I'm hoping he can educate me and you on how to coach our kids to small business success. Rob Phelan is my guest today. Rob is a part of the Choose FI team where he co-leads as a K-12 financial literacy curriculum developer. He's proud to be developing a free-to-use curriculum for school districts, educators, homeschool teachers, and parents to adopt and use. When Rob isn't educating kids about money and entrepreneurship, he's playing soccer and spending time with his wife and infant son in Maryland. Welcome to the show, Rob. Hey, Andy. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. This is a fun conversation and one I have not had on this show, so I'm very excited to chat with you today. Why do you feel it's important to educate kids about personal finance and entrepreneurship? Well, like um, almost two separate sides of the same coin. So you got personal finance where we learn to manage our money, how to build the mindset, the skills, the beliefs, like the knowledge, everything you need in order to be able to manage your money in such a way that you know you're not going to be in a financial hardship. So you feel like life just goes a little bit easier when money is not one of those things that's weighing you down. And if we could teach kids to manage their money from an early age, maybe we even save them from that hardship that most of us felt probably in our 20s, 30s when we started realizing, hey, you know what? All that spending I've been doing that catches up to you pretty quick. And just if you can give them the skills, even if they do get in trouble, that now they have the skills and knowledge to dig themselves out of it, I think it would save a lot of hardship, sweat, tears, uh, feelings of stress. I mean, you you name it, like money is involved in it somehow. And then from the entrepreneurship side? Entrepreneurship side, I mean, you kind of talked about like, hey, wouldn't it be awesome if our kids learned um, whether they wanted to do this or not? And that's true. Like entrepreneurship, you could take that down as a career path, but also just the skills that come from practicing entrepreneurship are so applicable to other parts of life as well. Um, I'm also a math teacher. So I find that entrepreneurship translates so much into math because entrepreneurship is problem solving. It's all about recognizing what are the pain points, the problems in society, and then what does the solution to those look like? And math skills will help feed into that. And then entrepreneurship feeds back into that as well. 
Um, when it comes to managing money, I mean, a, a business is just a small, like a, it's a smaller household, basically. You get to say, all right, the money's going to come in, the money's got to go out, it's got to balance, we need profit, we can't run this thing at a loss, and we want to try and be more efficient with it, we want to make sure we're making good decisions. Like if we all ran our households like we would our business, it actually might be a kind of a better story for us in most cases. I like that balance of, of talking about it from the household standpoint. So let's talk about ages. I've got a eight-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. You know, how early can conversations hap- happen about entrepreneurship? I mean, I talk to my six-month-old son about this all the time. <laughs> and he just he just sits there and he takes it all in. it right over. <laughs> Um, I would say that you can start having this conversation like from a super early age, maybe like I've, I've heard kids like three, four or five years old, as soon as you start talking about, they want something, you know, they point at something to say they want it. And the lessons that you can start teaching about, well, there are some things that we can just give you. There's some things that you have to earn. You know, not everything can be just handed to you. There is that delayed gratification part that we need to practice or we need to be patient or realize that we can't afford everything. We have to make choices. So when we were developing the Choose a Fi curriculum, we actually went down as low as pre-K. That's when we start actually teaching you know, financial ideas to kids. And at the pre-K level, you're talking about things like sharing, about saving, delayed gratification, um, being patient, you know, things that you may not realize have a connection to money. But if you can learn those mindsets and skills and then start applying them to your finances later, you're going to be in a much stronger position. So when we get to that middle school age, that high school age, it, we don't have to try and teach those things as well. Yeah, it's funny that the delayed gratification thing might be a pre-K curriculum, but it's something I'm still working on at, at 38, right? Oh my gosh, we all are. Like, how hard <laughs> is it to not hit that Amazon buy now button? You got to like, it's just, it's our society. Like, that is what we want. Convenience is the name of the game. Like, how easy can you make it to buy something or to execute whatever it is you're trying to do? And companies know that too. Like one of the biggest sales tactics you can do is to try and remove as many barriers as possible from a person being interested to when they want to buy. Yeah, that's, that's, that makes a lot of sense. So based on you being a teacher in personal finance and entrepreneurship and being involved in the development of this curriculum, has there been a, a rise of this type of interest of classes in overall schools in the United States? What is the feeling today in the school system? I would say I'm a little um, biased because I'm in the FI community and like this is all I want to talk about and I'm super interested in it and I surround myself with people who are of the same mindset. But I would say that financial literacy is becoming a hotter topic in education. You're starting to see states kind of looking at what they are doing with financial literacy. They're making changes. We've seen North Carolina and Kentucky both pass bills that is going to make financial literacy a required um, full semester class for graduation, which is awesome. And that'll increase the number of states we have doing that up to seven. So, you know, of our 50 states, seven are saying we have a standalone semester of personal finance that is a graduation requirement, which is fantastic and really should be the goal, I think, for all 50 states, that if we are talking about preparing kids for college and career readiness, those are kind of the big buzzwords in education, that not being able to manage your own money seems like a failure in being college and career ready. Like, how can you make decisions about college or about going into a career if you can't manage your own money. Yeah. I mean, no offense to science or U.S. history or French class, but why is is it only a requirement for seven out of 50 states for people to be educated in this way? I don't know. Throw math in there, too. Like, I'm a math teacher, but I say, heck yes, like, we need to find space for this in our curriculum. Based on the digging I've done into it, it used to be a much bigger focus in classrooms 
So you go back to probably like our grandparents' age, maybe a little bit older again, home economics was a subject that was broadly taught and you were taught how to manage a household. And that came with, you know, the stereotypical sewing, cooking sort of stuff, but also the economics of managing a home. Like that's the economic side of it. So people were taught how to pay bills, how to manage income and expenses and make sure that, you know, your accounts are balancing, just, you know, basic stuff. And we lost that. I think it was around World War II time is when the U.S. started shifting its focus towards producing high academic graduates. They wanted to win the academic war. They wanted the most educated population when it came to things like math, science, technology is a huge one. And it, you know, it became a race to the moon. It became a race to have the, the biggest, the best, the most advanced society. And I think you know, that's what we put our focus on. We wanted to get people out of being factory workers. So we wanted a more educated staff that basically could create and be more productive than just you know, being, do, doing what you're told sort of thing. Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, as, you, as, as you're a part of the FI movement, you know the importance of finding work that you love as opposed to work that maybe makes you the most money and gets you the farthest in life. So it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, I guess it's kind of a bummer that that's, that's moved away from educating people on how they can handle their own finances, maybe create own, their own business or work in the trades and have, have a good life. So I guess that's a, that's a discussion for another day. Let's, let's jump into a little bit about how we can get our kids interested in entrepreneurship. And I know you're a teacher, so how do you engage people and how do you get them interested in maybe starting their own little business? It's pretty much you give them the freedom to do it. So you say like, um, I usually start with a passion project with my younger um, age group. So I teach freshmen all the way up to seniors. And in my math classes for freshmen, uh, sophomores particularly, I will run a project where I will say, okay, what is something that you have always wanted to be able to do? So what skill have you always wanted to be able to do? Or is there some topic that you always want to know more about? And usually they've got some sort of answer for that. Sometimes they're looking blank at you like, oh, I've never thought about that before. And you have to kind of probe them a little bit more. But eventually you get something back like, you know, I would love to be able to master this video game. I'd love to be able to do this trick on a skateboard. Um, I'd like to be able to cook or I'd love to be able to learn this new language, whatever it is. And then I look at them and I say, all right, why haven't you done it yet? And they stare at you blankly, a little confused. It's really kind of cute. (laughs) And they're like, well, you didn't tell us to do that. (laughs) And it's so sad that, you know, kids are expecting that they're going to be told what they are going to learn. And unless they are told specifically to learn that, that there's no other learning that's going to occur in their lives. Um, I actually do a journal entry with my students every week. And this week's topic was, uh, we were talking about Zig Ziglar's automobile university idea. And I asked them, you know, what's something that you're learning about outside of school? And I would say like 50% of them said nothing. Like, I don't learn anything else outside of school. What are you talking about? And then you had some who are actually pursuing um, different career paths or different dreams, or they have a hobby outside of school. And you're like, okay, cool. At least some of you are doing something. But I then challenged them, okay, you've got four weeks to teach yourself this new skill, this new piece of knowledge, and then come up with a way that you're going to assess whether you have mastered that or not. So they have to teach themselves somehow, either through online, through books, find a free class somewhere, maybe just the idea is that it's not coming from me, the teacher. So they have to go find a source of you know, education somewhere else, or they do it through trial and error. One, one, one of those many things. And kids come back and they have to demonstrate their skill in some way. So either they make an instructional video, they produce a poster, they perform the skill if it's something kind of like a playing guitar or something like that. And it's really cool to see what kids come up with when you give them the space to create 
And then entrepreneurship is basically the same thing. You're, you're kind of saying like, okay, I want you to do the same project, but I want you to produce something that is going to be um, something that you can monetize. Like I want you to be able to sell either a product or a service to people that's going to solve some problem in society and you will be able to charge for it in some way. And you kind of let kids realize, okay, what are my passions? What am I excited about? What can I do that maybe the other people in the room can't do? So like, what am I kind of a perceived expert in? And then they just, they get to start developing that and going and doing it. And you get to start realizing, oh, you know what? I'm, I can create income here. Like my, my part-time job at $10 an hour, like I can beat that with just a little bit of side hustling going on. And that's a huge moment for, I think, most people, when they realize, oh, I can create income from nothing, I'm not reliant on an employer. That's incredible. Well, talk to me about some of the businesses that have been created through these projects or maybe an example that you could share with us. So the nice thing, and I, again, the nice thing for me is that it, I'm not pointing to any major corporation that has spawned from this. I'm looking at kids who have started making flower boxes. You know, they, they liked woodworking and they started crafting flower boxes and they sold them at their local ag shows. And brought home, you know, a couple hundred dollars um, during the project. And they've gone to college and they're still doing it. I have one kid who emailed me and he's down in Florida somewhere in college. And he started a drop shipping business while in high school. And just, you know, sourced stuff from China. I think it was like watches, sunglasses, hats. And was able to get them directly shipped from the manufacturer. So he didn't have to handle stock at all. Created a website on Shopify and started selling to his classmates. And is still doing it in college. And again, it's not generating thousands of dollars. It's generating like a couple hundred dollars a month, but it's enough for him to say like, oh, I've got some money to invest or to have fun with it's something I didn't have beforehand. Those are the ones I really love seeing. That's very cool. That's very cool. So let's talk about the projects that they're interested in. Um, we were specifically talking about these digital sides of things. You know, when you think about kids, it, it seems like they are maybe are a little bit more digitally mind uh, focused or, or a little bit... Um, I guess, more interested in the digital side of things than maybe some some adults. So have a lot of the businesses that uh, the kids have come up with been online-based or are they both, you know, uh, I guess, crafts as well as online? Uh, kids are weird, I swear. Like, <laughs> they, they should be the most technology-advanced, like, of all of us. Yet when you ask them to do something very specific, like from a teacher's point of view, like, oh, I want you to put a picture in a Google document and submit it. They, they, it blows their mind like, no, I don't know how to do that. I can't figure that one out. Yet they can figure out how to like bypass the firewall in the school and like pull up whatever website they want. <laughs> I'm like, you guys, you, you're, you're throwing up walls here when you shouldn't. Um, so sometimes they do, like if they are into gaming, if they're into programming, coding, stuff like that, that's ten, that tends to be where they go towards. Um, I've had kids who like will build websites for other businesses or other like student businesses, or they'll find local businesses that need a website and they'll build ones for them. But for the most part, a lot of them like to make things. Some like to do YouTube channels and try and you know sell instructions on how to do something, or they'll they'll try and be like the person who tries on products or reviews local restaurants. Like it's kind of fun to see what they do. Sometimes it involves technology, sometimes it doesn't. That's very cool. Well, let's talk to um, some parents out there that are listening that's saying, "Hey, you know, I would like to kind of." you know, get my kids going on a small business, or at least have them learn what it takes to start one and then maybe develop some skills from it. What are some simple things that they can do to, I guess, sort of instill or inspire that entrepreneurial spirit for their kids? So a couple of different routes you can take. If you want to take charge of it and you want to say, okay, I'm going to be responsible for my kid trying this stuff out, you can do that. You can say, all right, we're going to let junior or daughter, son, whatever it is, 
let's start a lemonade stand or let's start selling hot chocolate. Like if you've got a local festival coming up, if you've got, you know, the weather's starting to warm up a little bit, you know, let's put a lemonade stand in the corner. And rather than just kind of like saying, okay, here's a lemonade, here's the cash drawer, like go off, off you go. Like let them kind of figure it out for themselves, what they need, what are the challenges they're facing? I mean, why is nobody stopping? Why are they in a, like, are they in a bad location? Is it their signs aren't um, visible? Do they need to advertise in like the community Facebook group? Like, what are some different things they could do to try and get their business to be more successful? And it's such a, it's such a safe place to do it because like you, if you fail on a lemonade stand, like there's no real loss. You probably had the ingredients in the house already. You probably threw out a table or a crate or something for them to sit on and they get to kind of exper- experiment and potentially fail, but learn so much from that. And then they get to try again. So you say, okay, what do we do next time? So next week we're gonna do this again. What are you gonna do differently? And you know, go from there. If you want it to happen in schools, I mean, you can start asking your school, can you guys start teaching entrepreneurship? Like, I think this is a really important skill. Same with personal finance. Like, let's start putting pressure on schools from the ground up and say, this needs to happen in school. Let's make it happen, please. Because if we start waiting for, you know, it's come from the top, education takes forever to change. It's one of the slowest moving organizations in the world. I feel like I've done history of education classes and I recognize my classroom from the one, you know, 60 years ago. Like, nothing's changed. <laughs> It's something that, yeah, you you as a parent have a lot of power to you know put pressure on administration and say, these are things that I want to see. And there is power in numbers. So if you find other parents who are like, yeah, like that makes sense. Let's, we should have that. Again, putting putting pressure on schools to say, like, let's make this an option. Let's provide this. Let's do it. Or you as the parent taking control and saying, I'm going to offer a group on a weekend and we're going to just invite kids to come in and try and start a business and see, you know, can we make that happen? We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month 
each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everyone. Let's jump back into the show. love your point on trying these small businesses out as a kid or even as a you know a young teen and failing because failing is great it helps you to learn about what you don't like or what you've done wrong and then helps you to improve from there if you wait to be a late 30s something like me to become an entrepreneur and you start failing it's you got a, you got a little a shorter timetable to be successful right so i'm all about uh, starting early and trial and error and it's a great way to learn um, i wanted to ask you you know i was thinking back when i was in middle school and high school the jobs that i had i was a, a caddy worked in a Eddie Bauer folding sweaters, <laughs> like, you know, just these random, you know, less than $10 an hour kind of jobs. What are your thoughts on kids focusing their time on starting a business in high school versus getting a part-time job? I think you could do both. You could do one, you could do the other. So you talked about being a caddy or working in a retail store. I would say to kids, like, if you're going to do that, like start learning more skills while you're in there. So like as a caddy, could you have learned more about how to play golf? Like, could you have found some of these guys you were caddying for and say, Hey, I noticed you're doing this with your swing. Like, why are you doing that? Or you know, what, what should I do with my swing to get better? Or you know, what is it? What else do you need from a caddy? How can I become a better caddy? And you start like kind of increasing your worth to people. I mean, a cat, caddy is potentially an entrepreneurship job right there. Like you could go to anybody and say, hey, I'll be your personal caddy. No problem. Like, here's my number. Here's my car. Come hire me. If you're working in a clothing store, like what is it that people want? What do they look for when they come into a clothing store? Could you provide that? So could you then take the skills you, and the knowledge you learned in there and suddenly say, all right, I can do this for other teams. Like I kind of get what they want. They want like good customer service. They want a variety of, you know, sizes, shapes, colors, whatever it is for clothing, or they want somebody to tell them what looks good, what doesn't look good. And if I can provide that service outside of my employee job, well, now suddenly I've got my own business. Yeah, I like that. So it's kind of taking the mindset from employee to self-employed, at least, so you can say, hey, where can I be a business owner and help people in a different way outside of what I've got right there? But taking the skills from your from being an employee, I, I, I like that a lot. That makes a lot of sense. You know, so Rob, you are personally writing this line between employee right now as a teacher, and then you're an author, and you're doing this entrepreneur thing too. So Let's talk about your story a little bit. How did you decide to become an entrepreneur? Well, I, I kind of guess I am riding that line and I'm kind of trying to push that line constantly to see which side of it do I really want to fall on the most. I like you know, that what comes with having a salary. There's a lot of great benefits that come with being a teacher, but also you know, the entrepreneurship thing is just something that excites me so much and teaching does too, which is nice. So I get to kind of marry the two when I teach entrepreneurship, but it gave me a safe place to experiment. So you're right. Like the later you go, 
the less room there is to fail if you're looking for something that's going to be an income generator for you. So by starting with side hustling during your full-time job, you kind of get to experiment. You get to try stuff out. If it doesn't work, it's fine. You still got your full-time job there anyway. But as soon as you find something that maybe you can grab onto, you're like, you know what, this has got legs to run. I want to throw my full weight into this. Well, now suddenly you've put the framework in there and you're not really making a a big leap where there's not there's no income, there's no guidance. You're not just saying someday, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and you've got no plan. Uh, so it's giving me a nice runway to decide eventually, like, do I want to do something like this full time or am I happy in this kind of married state between the two or do I want to just focus on my full time job? And writing a book was it kind of just was convenient almost. It fell into my lap that all these things kind of came together. Uh, I was talking with students about starting businesses. So I was teaching that particular unit and I was having to generate like these multiple worksheets um, every single day to try and guide them through what I, questions I wanted them to answer as they were developing their business. And I realized, oh, like, you know, this doesn't exist already. I'm already kind of making this resource. And I really just had to build it out a little bit more. And I had a workbook that I knew would be valuable to other teachers or parents or students that you could just hand it to them and say, here is an how, a how-to guide for starting a business. And on the other side, pursuing financial independence, I was thinking, all right, what are some potential sources of passive income? Because those are the the true, I guess, ones that will help you to get towards FI, that you can reduce your financial independence number if you have sources of passive income when you retire. Yeah, well, let's talk about your plans for financial independence, though. So how does this entrepreneurship plan fit into the other ways you're saving for financial independence? So the book, I have no clue because it just depends on you know how much income it generates. It's not something I'm counting on. It's it's sort of like when you do blogging or podcasting, you're doing it because you love it. It's fun. Um, it's a great hobby to have. And then if it suddenly starts generating money, you're like, well, cool, that's awesome. You know, that that helps a little bit, but I'm not necessarily relying on that full time. I do like having uh, multiple sources of income. So I feel like if I lost my teaching job for some reason, that I could replace about 30 to 40% of my teaching income immediately with side hustles that they've built up enough at this point that they're just, they're all kind of combining to this nice number. And then it's like kind of like my FU money as well. Like if I felt like my teaching job wasn't really fulfilling me anymore, I could leave that, either find a different teaching job or go do something else. So it's that peace of mind that it brings, which is so nice. And it's really great for our family as well. So like, you know, my wife and my son, who is you know, six months old, would love to be able to spend more time at home with him. Like my wife gets to cut down on her work time this year because we have all these additional sources of income. And she's able to say, you know what? I'm not going to work as hard as I was. She's still working. She still loves to work, but she gets to stay home with our son during the day. And then I get to tag her out after my school day, which ends at 3 p.m. And she gets to go to work for a couple of hours and I get to spend time with my son. And then we both get the evenings together. So it is a really nice kind of blend at the moment. In terms of other businesses, I've kind of shut down most of my other ones at the moment, mostly because I want to protect that time with you know my son while he's young and our family. But you know, I have refereed lacrosse as a side hustle. I have done tutoring. I do Teachers Pay Teachers, which is a website where teachers can post the resources they create, and other teachers have the option to buy them if they feel like it would save them a ton of time to buy them rather than make them themselves. And actually, school districts can now buy those resources for their teachers, too. So it's really turning into a, an exciting opportunity that I want to keep developing. That's very cool. I, I like how you have blended both your 
side hustle side with your interests as well as your full-time employment with your interests because that is what you're teaching to your students too. come up with an idea that interests you first what are you really excited about whether it's skateboarding or video games mm-hmm. and then try to figure out how you can monetize that so i think that's beautiful man thank you so much for sharing that let's let's give some advice to some people who are listening right now and and they're uh, they're interested in this entrepreneur side of things so let's just say there's a parent listening and they want to help their kids develop a business and they are looking just for one takeaway after this after this interview to step forward and help their let's say their kids in high school and they want to help them to develop their first business what's the first step that they should take i would start with listening to people and watching them so you and your child like go walk through the town go start listening to the radio a little bit more and just start seeing like what are people complaining about and every time you hear someone complain about something, you know, stop and have the conversation with your child. Like, what might a solution to that look like? Like, it can be as achievable or unrealistic as possible. Just like, you know, what would a potential solution to this look like, whether it exists, whether it exists in the world today or not? And, you know, start developing, okay, what would that look like? Just go through the exercise. And then turn the conversation to, well, what are your child's skills, their strengths, their interests? And like you said, you know, what is some way to monetize that? So how could you fix someone else's problem while also, you know, enjoying the skill that you love to do. So could you, could you get good enough at your skill to give lessons on the basics? That's kind of where I'm at. Like I am not like the CEO of a massive company. Like I am the expert at doing a simple startup. So that first one that gets you off the ground, gets you going. And then once you kind of graduate from that, you can decide to keep pursuing the simple startup or you can move on to bigger and better things because now you've got the groundwork done. You've got the basic skills and you can move on to something else. That makes sense. Solving problems helps uh, not only you from a monetization standpoint, but it helps uh, the customer as well. So that's mm-hmm. cool. You also mentioned, you know, getting involved in your community and and saying, hey, how do we get some of these classes going at our school? What would be the first step a parent could take or a community leader could take to, you know, get the ball rolling with their local school? So say you wanted to get financial literacy um, becoming more of a focus in your school. I would do something like look at the Chooseify site. Um, So it's like chooseify.com forward slash K-12. And you see like the financial literacy curriculum there. And you just simply send that link to an administrator and say, hey, you should check this out. I think it'd be really cool to use in the school. And financial literacy is a really important idea. Or you find one of the other financial literacy uh, websites out there that is providing great content. You do the same thing. Like you send in a letter, you send an email. And you just let them know, hey, this is here. And let your administrators know, like, you know, I'm, I'm interested in this. I want to help you guys get this going. Or if you have a kid in school, like, email their teacher and say, look, there are lots of ways you can bring financial concepts into your classroom. Like, let's, let's make it happen. Here's some great resources you could use just in case you didn't know they were there. And the more you kind of help teachers realize that this stuff is there, the more they're going to be able to incorporate that into their own teaching, their own building. And then the more it gets in there, the more administrators will realize, okay, this is this is really having a positive effect on students, on parents. It's making us look good as a school system. Like it's a win-win for everybody, really. That's great. And I and I love that it's an easily accessible resource that makes the job easy for teachers as opposed to putting more homework on them to figure it out. So tell us a little bit more about where people can find those resources and a little bit about what's going on with you and where people can find you and, and this new book that you talked about. Yeah. So um, just kind of the other half of that question, if entrepreneurship was what you were trying to push in a school, like something like the workbook I've created, like that's one example of something you could do. You could send a link to the simple startup.com and say, look, this is a really cool um, idea, project that you could bring into your school. 
you know, maybe you should try and make it happen and see you know, what, what happens with that. You can find out more about the curriculum at that choosify.com forward slash K12 site. If you want to read more about Simple Startup, you know, check out Simple Startup's website. If you want to engage with me and, you know, kind of I can help walk you through some different ideas, you can find me on Twitter at Fi Educator, or you can send me an email, rob at choosify.com. Excellent. Rob, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having a conversation with me about this. I think that this could really help a lot of not only teachers, but parents to help their kids get to the next level. So thanks a lot, Rob. I appreciate you being here today. Hey, thanks so much. You got summer coming up, guys. Here's a great idea for the summer. Get them, get them starting a business. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is all about developing skills at a young age that will help our kids become successful adults. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Rob Phelan. Number one, gauge your kids' interests. Start some fun conversations with your kids about what they are interested in. And then transition the conversation into how they can make money from that hobby or that interest. Your interest may just get them fired up enough to start. Number two, ask your kids to listen for complaints. Rob gave us the idea to ask our kids to listen for common complaints or problems in society. I like that. Just walking around the store or I guess just listening to conversations that are happening maybe in their school. These are great places to look for small business ideas. It doesn't have to be a big global issue. In fact, it's probably better if it's local. That way your child can make an impact they can see and maybe they'll be more inspired to charge on. Number three, Advocate for financial literacy and teen entrepreneurship. If you'd like to see more classes in your kid's school, like the ones we discussed on today's show, be an advocate for your children and your community by bringing it up and pushing it forward. The lack of financial education in our country is an issue for sure, but you have the power to be the change you want to see in your community. So make your voice heard and create a brighter future for your kids. Rob, thank you so much for sharing how we can help our kids and our community thrive financially and learn to be small business savvy. I wish you the best of luck with your new book and your mission to empower our nation's youth. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do one thing to support this show. I would love for you to connect with me and 700 other families in our Thriving Families Facebook group. This is a awesome Facebook community, and you can find us at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FB group. We are supporting each other with our collective goals, and we are winning together. So please join us. It's a lot of fun. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Benjamin Disraeli. The youth of a nation are the trustees of prosperity. Here's to giving our kids a bright future. Carpe diem. Carpe diem. 